Chapter Twenty, Part One of Pilgrimage to Al Madinah and Mecca. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Twenty, Part One, of Personal Narrative of a Pilgrimage to Al Madinah and Mecca, by Richard Francis Burton. The Visitation of Hamza's Tomb. Part one. On the morning of Sunday, the twenty third Zul Kada, twenty eighth August, eighteen fifty three, arrived from Al Sham or Damascus, the great caravan popularly called Hajj al Shami, the Damascus pilgrimage, as the Egyptian Kafila is Al Misri or the Cairo pilgrimage. Footnote Damascus derives its names the great gate of pilgrimage and the key of the prophet's tomb from its being the gathering place of this caravan and a footnote it is the main stream which carries off all the small currents that at this season of general movement flow from central asia towards the great centre of the islamitic world and in eighteen fifty three it amounted to about seven thousand souls the arrival was anxiously expected by the people for several reasons in the first place it brought with it a new curtain for the prophet's hujra the old one being in a tattered condition secondly it had charge of the annual stipends and pensions of the citizens and thirdly many families expected members returning under its escort to their homes the popular anxiety was greatly increased by the disordered state of the country round about and moreover the great caravan had been one day too late generally arriving on the morning of the twenty-second zul kada footnote i reprint the following from the illustrated news in proof that the literati of england still have something to learn on the first instant the annual ceremony of the departure of the sur emine with the imperial gifts for the prophet's tomb at mecca took place in front of the palace at constantinople the levant herald states that the presents which consist beside the large money donation of rich shawls and gold woven stuffs were brought out of the imperial apartments and packed in presence of the sultan on two beautiful camels which after the delivery of the usual prayers were then led in grand procession accompanied by all the high offices of state to the landing-place at kabatash where the suremini and camels were embarked on a government steamer and ferried over to scutari there the holy functionary will remain for some days till the faithful of the capital and those who have come from the interior have joined him when the caravan will start for damascus at this latter city the grand rendezvous takes place and that accomplished the great caravan sets out for mecca under the emir el hajj of the year the imperial presence on this occasion cost more than twenty thousand pounds and a footnote during the night three of shaykh hamid's brothers who had entered as muzavirs with the hajj came suddenly to the house they leaped off their camels and lost not a moment in going through the usual scene of kissing embracing and weeping bitterly for joy i arose in the morning and looked out from the windows of the majlis the bar al from a dusty waste dotted with a few badri hair tents had assumed all the various shapes of the colours of the kaleidoscope 
the eye was bewildered by the shifting of innumerable details in all parts totally different from one another thrown confusedly together in one small field and however jaded with sight-seeing it dwelt with delight upon the variety the vivacity and the intense picturesqueness of the scene in one night had sprung up a town of tents of every size colour and shape round square and oblong open and closed from the shawl-lined and gilt-topped pavilion of the pasha with all the luxurious appurtenances of the harem to its neighbour the little dirty green rowty of the tobacco-seller they were pitched in admirable order here ranged in a long line where a street was required there packed in dense masses where thoroughfares were unnecessary but how describe the utter confusion in the crowding the bustling and the vast variety of volume of sound huge white syrian dromedaries compared with which those of al-hijaz appeared mere pony camels jingled large bells and bearing shugdufs litters like miniature green tents swaying and tossing upon their backs gorgeous tucked ravan or litters carried between camels or mules with scarlet and brass trappings badawin bestriding naked-backed daluls dromedaries and clinging like apes to the hairy humps arnaut kurd and turkish irregular cavalry fiercer looking in their mirth than roman peasants in their rage fainting persian pilgrims forcing their stubborn camels to kneel or dismounted grumbling from jaded donkeys kawajis sherbet sellers and ambulant tobacconists crying their goods country people driving flocks of sheep and goats with infinite clamour through the lines of horses fiercely snorting and biting and kicking and rearing townspeople seeking their friends returned travellers exchanging affectionate salutes devout hajjis jostling one another running under the legs of camels and tumbling over the dense robes in their hurry to reach the harem cannon roaring from the citadel shopmen water-carriers and fruit-vendors fighting over their bargains boys with loud screams bullying heretics a well-mounted party of fine old arab sheikhs of the hamida clan preceded by their varlets performing the arza or war-dance compared with which the pyrenean beer's performance is grace itself firing their duck-guns upwards or blowing the powder into the calves of those before them brandishing their swords leaping frantically the while with their bright-coloured rags floating in the wind tossing their long spears tufted with ostrich feathers high in the air reckless where they fall servants seeking their masters and masters their tents with vain cries of ya mohammed footnote one might as sensibly cry out john in an english theatre and a footnote grandees riding mules or stalking on foot preceded by their crowd-beaters shouting to clear the way hear the loud shrieks of women and children whose litters are bumping and rasping against one another there the low moaning of some poor wretch that is seeking a shady corner to die in and a thick dust which blurs the outlines like a london fog with a flaming sun that draws sparkles of fire from the burnished weapons of the crowd and the brass balls of tent and litter and i doubt gentle reader that even the length the jar and the confusion of this description is adequate to its subject 
or that any word-painting of mine can convey a just idea of the scene this was the day appointed for our visiting the martyrs of ohot after praying the dawn prayers as directed at the harem we mounted our donkeys and armed with pistols and knives we set out from the city our party was large saad the demon had offered to accompany us and the bustle around kept him in the best of humours omar effendi was also there quiet-looking and humble as usual leading his ass as to avoid the trouble of dismounting every second minute footnote respectable men in al hijaz when they meet friends acquaintances or superiors considered only polite to dismount from a donkey and a footnote i had the boy mohammed and my slave and shaykh hamid was attended by half a dozen relations to avoid the crush of the bar al manakka we made a detour westwards over the bridge and down the course of the torrent bed al-sai we then passed along the southern wall of the castle traversed its eastern outwork and issued from the bab al-shami during the greater part of the time we were struggling through a living tide and among dromedaries and chargers a donkey is by no means a pleasant monteur with some difficulty but without any more serious accident than a fall or two we found ourselves in the space beyond and northward of the city this also was covered with travellers and tents amongst which on an eminence on the left of the road rose suspicious the bright green pavilion of the emir al hajj the commandant of the caravan footnote the title of the pasha who has the privilege of conducting the caravan it is a lucrative as well as an honourable employment for the emir enjoys the droit d'aubaine becoming heir to the personal property of all pilgrims who die in the holy cities or on the line of the march and no persian even of the poorest would think of undertaking a pilgrimage by this line of country without having at least eighty pounds in ready money with him the first person who bore the title of emir al hajj was abu bakr who in the ninth year of the hijra led three hundred moslems from al madina to the mecca pilgrimage on this occasion idolaters and infidels were for the first time expelled of the holy city and a footnote hard by half its height surrounded by a kanata tent wall stood the syrian or sultan's mahmil litter all glittering with green and gilding and gold and around it were pitched the handsome habitations of the principal officers and grandees of the pilgrimage on the right hand lay extensive palm plantations and on the left strewed over the plain were signs of wells and tanks built to supply the hutch with water we passed two small buildings one the kubat al sabak or dome of the precedence where the prophet's warrior friends used to display their horsemanship the second the makan or a burial place of Zaitna Zaki al Din, one of Muhammad's multitudinous descendants. Then we fall into a plain resembling that of Cuba, but less fertile. While we are jogging over it, a few words concerning Mount Ohot may not be misplaced. A popular distich says, Verily there is healing to the eye that looks unto Ohot and the two Haras, ridges near. Footnote hara from har heat is the generic name of lava porous basalt scoriae greenstone schiste and others supposed to be of ingenuous origin it is also used to denote a ridge or hill of such formation 
One Hara has already been mentioned in chapter 15. The second is on the road to Ohot. There is a third Hara, called Al-Wakin, or Al-Zara, about one mile eastward of Al-Madina. Here the Prophet wept, predicting that the last men of his faith would be foully slain. The prophecy was fulfilled in the days of Yazid, when the people of Al-Madina filled their assembly with slippers and turbans to show that on account of his abominations they had cast off their allegiance as a garment the accursed sent an aged sinner muslim bin akba al marai who though a cripple defeated the madani in a battle called the affair of the ridge slaying of them ten thousand citizens one thousand seven hundred learned and great men seven hundred teachers of the koran and ninety-seven karashi nobles this happened in the mouth of Zulhija, Anno Hegire, 63. For three days the city was plundered, the streets ran blood, dogs ate human flesh in the mosque, and no fewer than one thousand women were insulted. It was long before Al-Madina recovered from this fatal blow, which old Muslim declared would open to him the gates of paradise. The occurrence is now forgotten at Al-Madina, though it will live in history. The people know not the place, and even the books are doubtful whether this hara be not upon the spot where the kandak or moat was and a footnote and of this holy hill the apostle declared ohot is a mountain which loves us and which we love it is upon the gate of heaven footnote meaning that on the day of resurrection it shall be so treated many however suppose ohot to be one of the four hills of paradise the other three according to al-tabrani from amur binauf are sinai lebanon and mount varkan on the meccan road others suppose ohot to be one of the six mountains which afforded materials for the kaaba also it is said that when the lord conversed with moses on sinai the mountain burst into six pieces three of which flew to al-madina ohot varkan and Aratva, and three to mecca hira now popularly called Jabal Nur, Sabir, the old name for Jabal Muna, and Saur. End of footnote. And Ayr is the place which hates us and which we hate. It is upon the gates of hell. Footnote. Ayr means a wild ass, whereas Ohot is derived from Ahat, one, so called because fated to be the place of victory to those who worship one god. The very names, say Moslem divines, make it abundantly evident that even as the men of Al-Madina were two parties, friendly and hostile to the Prophet, so were these mountains. End of footnote. The former sheltered Muhammad in the time of danger. Therefore, on Resurrection Day, it will be raised to paradise. Whereas Jabil Ayr, its neighbor, having been so ill-judged as to refuse the Prophet water on one occasion, while he thirsted, will be cast incontinently into Jahannam. Muslim divines, be it observed, ascribe to Muhammad miraculous authority over animals, vegetables, and minerals, as well as over men, angels, and genies. Hence the speaking wolf, the weeping post, the old stone, and the love and hate of these two mountains. It is probably one of the many remains of ancient paganism pulled down and afterwards used to build up the edifice of al-islam according to the old persians the sphere has an active soul 
some sects of hindus believe mother earth upon whose bosom we little parasites crawl to be a living being this was a dogma also amongst the ancient egyptians who denoted it by a peculiar symbol the globe with human legs hence the macrocosmos of the plagiaristic greeks the animal on large scale whose diminutive was the microcosmos man tota natura repeats malpighi exists in minimis amongst the romans tellus otera was a female deity anthropomorphized according to their syncretic system which furnished with strange gods their pantheon but forgot to append the scroll explaining the inner sense of the symbol and some modern philosophers kepler blackmore and others have not scrupled to own their belief in a doctrine which as long as life is a mere word on man's tongue can neither be proved nor disproved the mohammedans as usual exaggerate the dogma a hadith related by abu huraya casts on the day of judgment the sun and the moon into hell-fire jabal ohot owes its present reputation to a cave which sheltered the apostle when pursued by his enemies to certain springs of which he drank and especially to its being the scene of a battle celebrated in al-islam footnote this cave is a place of visitation but i did not go there as it is on the northern flank of the hill and all assured me that it contained nothing worth seeing many ignored altogether ohot it is said sent forth in the prophet's day three hundred and sixty springs of which ten or twelve now remain and a footnote on saturday the eleventh shawal in the third year of the hijra twenty sixth january a d six hundred twenty five muhammad with seven hundred men engaged three thousand infidels under the command of abu sufyan ran great personal danger and lost his uncle hamza the lord of martyrs on the topmost pinnacle also is the kubat harun the dome erected over aaron's remains it is now i was told in a ruinous condition and is placed upon the pinnacle of the seven hills in a position somewhat like that of certain buildings of st angelo in the bay of naples footnote meaning that the visitor must ascend several smaller eminences the time occupied is from eight to nine hours but i should not advise my successor to attempt it in the hot weather and a footnote alluding to the toil of reaching it the madani quote a facetious rhyme inscribed upon the wall by one of their number who had wasted his breath malun im malun mantala kubat harun anglis the man must be a ruffian who climbs up to aaron's dome devout moslems visit ohot every thursday morning after the dawn devotions in the harem pray for the martyrs and after going through the ceremonies return to the harem in time for midday worship on the twelfth of rajab zayis come out in large bodies from the city encamp on the plain for three or four days and pass the time in feasting jollity and devotion as is usual at pilgrimages and at saints festivals in general after half an hour's ride we came to the mustara or resting-place so called because the prophet sat there for a few minutes on his way to the battle of ohot it is a newly built square enclosed of dwarf whitewashed walls within which devotees pray on the outside fronting al madina is a seat like a chair of rough stones here i was placed by muzawir 
who recited an insignificant supplication to be repeated after him. At its end, with a fatiha and accompaniments, we remounted our asses and resumed our way. Travelling onwards, we came in sight of the second hara, or ridge. It lies to the right and left of the road, and resembles lines of lava, but I had not an opportunity to examine it narrowly. Footnote. When engaged in such a holy errand as this, to have ridden away for the purpose of inspecting a line of black stone would have been certain to arouse the suspicions of an Arab. Either, he would argue, you recognize the place of some treasure described in your books, or you are a magician seeking a talisman. End of footnote. Then we reached the gardens of Ohot, which reflect a miniature, those of Cuba, and presently we arrived at what explains the presence of venger and vegetable life, a deep fiumura full of loose sand and large stones denoting an impetuous stream. It flows along the southern base of Ohot, said to be a part of the plain of Almadina, and it collects the drainage of the highlands lying to the south and southeast. The bed becomes impassable after rain, and sometimes the torrents overflow the neighboring gardens. By the direction of this fiumura, I judged that it must supply the gabba, or basin, in the hills north of the plain. Good authorities, however, informed me that a large volume of water will not stand there, but flows down the beds that wind through the ghats westward of Almadina, and falls into the sea near the harbor of Wai. To the south of Vifimura is a village on an eminence, containing some large brick houses now in a ruinous state. These are the villas of opulent and religious citizens who visited the place for change of air, recreation, and worship at Hamza's tomb. Our donkeys presently sank fetlock deep in the loose sand of the torrent bed. Then reaching the northern side, and ascending a gentle slope, we found ourselves upon the battlefield. This spot, so celebrated in the annals of al-Islam, is a shelving strip of land, close to the southern base of Mount Ohot. The army of the infidels advanced from the Fiumura in crescent shape, with Abu Sufyan, the general, and his idols in the centre. It is distant about three miles from Al-Madina, in a northerly direction. All the visitor sees is hard gravelly ground, covered with little heaps of various-coloured granite, red sandstone, and bits of porphyry, to denote the different places where the martyrs fell and were buried. Footnote. They are said to be seventy, but the heaps appear to me at least three times more numerous. And a footnote. Seen from this point, there is something appalling in the look of the holy mountain. Its seared and jagged flanks rise like masses of iron from the plain, and the crevice into which the Muslim host retired, when the disobedience of the archers and hastening to plunder enabled Khalid bin Walid to fall upon Mohammed's rear, is the only break in the grim wall. Reeking with heat, its surface produces not one green shrub or stunted tree, neither bird nor beast appeared upon its inhospitable sides, and the bright blue sky glaring above its bald and sullen brow made it look only the more repulsive. I was glad to turn away my eyes from it. End of chapter 20, part 1